it's hard to follow up three exceptional lectures like the one that we've been privileged, like the ones that we've been privileged uh, to listen to today. Um, I imagine I'll leave with some humility after uh, uh, you know, listening to such three exceptional lectures. Um, since I will be speaking about the subject of gratitude, uh, it would be appropriate for me to begin by expressing my gratitude uh, to the organizers of the conference, uh, first of all, for inviting me and for putting together such an, uh, a remarkable event, and also to uh, Eric Winkle and uh, Hani Ibrahim, who are actually two of my teachers. And as the Prophet said, La Allah, man lam nas. He who does not show gratitude to people has not shown gratitude to God. It would be inappropriate for me to begin to, begin to talk about gratitude without expressing gratitude to the appropriate people. Um, some of the translations that I'll be using, if they look like Winkle's translations, might be because they actually are. Um, I was going through the talk and I was wondering, why does this look so much like Winkle's translation? And I'm not sure I may have actually used more of Winkle's translation than I um, given credit for in the, in the talk. But Winkle's fine with that. He's one of my teachers, and uh, imitation is the best form of flattery, I guess. Now, in a well-known well tradition, the prophet was once asked by his youngest wife, Aisha, why it was that he continued to exert himself so tirelessly in his nightly prayers to the point that his feet had grown swollen when God had already forgiven him his faults, both of the past and the future. To which he replied, Shall I not be a thankful servant? Afala akunu abdan shakura. The story, which is frequently cited in classical Muslim literature on gratitude, highlights the central place of the virtue in Islamic piety. Indeed, the significance that is attached to the virtue of shukr or gratitude in Islam is attested to by the fact that iman, which is commonly translated as faith or belief in Islam, appears within the ethical Weltanschauung of the Quran as an expression or mode of gratitude, with disbelief and infidelity functioning as corresponding forms of ingratitude. Sorry, I just... Uh, how do I get the screen back up? I think I've... I don't know how I moved the next slide. I think if you just, uh, oh. one second. What is it? Just, it's frozen? Yeah, it looks like it. One second. One second. There. Well, okay. So, what press? Press this one. Okay. Even a cursory survey of the language of Muslim scripture quickly reveals that kufr, which is commonly translated as unbelief, is employed in the text also referred to unthankfulness or ingratitude, that it stands at once as the antonym both of iman and shukr. In the words of the late Japanese scholar Toshiko Izutsu, one and the same word kafir, that is to say one who is marked by kufr, comes to mean a different thing according to its use as the contrary of shakir, one who thanks, or as the contrary of mu'min, one who believes. In the first case, it means an ingrate, and in the second, an unbeliever. And this leads to his broader observation that one of the keynotes of belief in Islam is gratitude, thankfulness. And this is the counterpart of the Quranic conception of God as the gracious, merciful Lord of all men and all beings. But the term kufr, as Izutu notes, did not always connote the idea of disbelief. In pre-Islamic Arabian society, it referred simply to ingratitude towards one's benefactor. 
With the rise of Islam, however, the Qur'an came to theologize the term, to imply the rejection of divine revelations, while also retaining some of the distinctly pre-scriptural, pre-Islamic senses as part of the semantic shifts that it introduced in the language of the Arabs. And so it is significant in this light that of all the pre-Islamic values which lay at the disposal of the emerging Islamic religion, it was the notions of gratitude and ingratitude, shukr and kufr, which were selected to function as the pegs around which the key notions of faith and disbelief would be erected. This alone renders the virtue particularly unique within an Islamic context, a, class not lo- a, a fact not lost to classical Muslim thinkers and certainly not to Ibn Arabi, as we shall see. Now, while there is no denying that gratitude has been extolled as an eminent virtue within Western religious and philosophical literature, both in pre-modern and modern times, it does not appear to hold the same privileged position which it does within the ethical landscape of Islamic thought. It is true that the Apostle Paul counseled one to give thanks in all circumstances, and it is true that the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament are filled with exhortations to be grateful to God. Nevertheless, it is noteworthy that gratitude does not figure into the eight Beatitudes of Christ at the Sermon on the Mount, nor does gratitude figure into the four cardinal virtues of virtues of wisdom, justice, courage, and temperance, nor does gratitude figure into the three theological virtues of faith, love, and charity. Likewise, ingratitude was excluded from both the quartet of cardinal, vir- cardinal vices as well as the seven deadly sins, or the septet of the de- seven deadly sins. And when gratitude was addressed, at least by a thinker of some note, it was often treated simply as a subspecies of justice, as St. Thomas Aquinas does in the Summa Theologica, in a short but very penetrating treatment on the subject. In contemporary ethics, gratitude figures even less prominently, in the absence of a need to be thankful to God. This is evidenced, for example, by a recent moral philosopher's claim that, and I quote, gratitude is not a subject much, dis- much discussed in the philosophical literature. Or Terence MacDonald's observation in the introduction to a lengthy study of the virtue that it stands, quote unquote, on the edge of moral theory. Only recently has gratitude come to the forefront of intellectual inquiry within the burgeoning field of what is known as positive psychology as a result of some of the startling health benefits which the concerted and active cultivation of the emotions to yield. Outside of these recent developments, however, it has often remained on the sidelines, both in the theological and especially secular literature, at least in relation to other virtues. Now, as far as the etymology of the Arabic word shukr is concerned, the word usually translated as gratitude, it it derives from the triliteral root shakara, which means to thank, commend, praise, or eulogize someone for a service, benefit, or act of devotion. The more concrete meaning of the root, however, is very closely bound to the idea of revealing or unconcealing. And this is why Abu Talib al-Makki, in his Nourishment of Hearts, an early Sufi manual, writes that, and I quote, the meaning of shukr in the Arabic language is to unveil and make manifest. He says that it's kashaf wal-idhar. In relation to the act of gratitude, shukr therefore involves revealing and disclosing an act of gift-giving or benefaction by acknowledging and recognizing it, both to oneself and to the benefactor. The opposite of shukr is kufr, which entails concealing that very act 
not acknowledging it to oneself or not acknowledging it to the benefactor, or both, forming gratitude. Now, as for the use of the root shukr in the Qur'an, and it helps to understand how Muslim scripture uses the term, considering Ibn Arabi's own profound debt to Muslim scripture, the root is deployed in the Qur'an 75 times. And like many laudable qualities in the Qur'an is used both of God and of the human being. In reference to God, the root shakara appears eight times. God is described as shakir, the thankful one or the grateful one. But also more importantly, as shakur. God is described through the intensive active participle, which means the oft grateful or the oft thankful. Both of these are standard divine names. Of these two, however, the more commonly used is shakur, the intensive form, which highlights when we consider the terms etymology, God's absolute and total knowledge of what the human being offers him. The divinity is never veiled. Recall, shakara means to unveil. The divinity is never veiled from the realm of human piety and goodness and praises virtue. In other words, God is never ungrateful. As for the human being, the, the root is used about 67 times. But even though shukr is used more frequently in reference to the human being, or less frequently in reference to God, this should not suggest that the quality is somehow more befitting of the human being, simply because quantitatively the root appears more often in reference to the human being. This should not suggest that shukr is somehow more congruent with the nature of the human being than it is of God. On the contrary, the Qur'an constantly reminds its readers of the human being's propensity towards ingratitude, a theme which occurs so often there would not be incorrect to identify ingratitude as the cardinal vice of the human being from the point of view of Muslim scripture, the equivalent, we might say, of tanha or desire in Buddhism or original sin in Christianity. Most people are not grateful, we read in the Quran on numerous occasions, and little gratitude do, we do you show, do we read on other occasions. And as the Quran says in a very famous passage near the end of the book, Verily the human being is towards his Lord terribly ungrateful. Indeed, a comparison of the matter in which the Qur'an addresses divine and human shukr reveals that whereas the human being is deeply susceptible to ingratitude or kufr and ni'mah, the quality of shukr is most perfectly embodied in God. And so it should come as no surprise that in more than half the instances where the root shakara is used of God, God is described by the intensive form shakur. Of the human being, however, the Quran says, and few of my bondsmen are shakur. shakur. Insofar as the cultivation of gratitude is concerned in the Quran, we could say that the teleological aim of the human being can be conceived of as a movement away from the human being's own natural inclination towards kufar and ni'mah or ingratitude for blessings to a fuller, more continuous and even divine-like realization of the virtue. If the stages of the development of this virtue were to be grafted onto a vertical spectrum drawn from the model of scripture, we would ascend from human kufr to human shukr and then within the parameters of human shukr we would ascend from the level of the shakir to the shakur only to then realize at the very summit of this ascent, gratitude in divinus, a gratitude in God. The basic Quranic model in which the virtues within the sphere of human ethics stand as a pale reflection or a very imperfect imitation of the divine nature itself, 
that is to say, in which the divinity functions as a sort of prototype of human virtue is, as we shall see, a basic structure or feature of Ibn Arabi's moral theology. This is so much the case that Ibn Arabi, that in Ibn Arabi's writings, we find an argument for the literal as opposed to the simply metaphorical combination of the virtue in divinis. This is a culmination, however, which only takes place at the highest level of abandoning gratitude altogether, at which point the human being foregoes all claims to the virtue to allow God to function as the supremely grateful one, or as the supreme subject, a theme to which I shall return at the very end of my talk. The brief synopsis of shukr in the Quran should now enable us to more fully appreciate Ibn Arabi's treatment of this virtue, particularly in light of the extent to which the Quran infuses Ibn Arabi's writings. As Ibn Arabi states, and I quote, everything of we speak in our meetings and our, in, in our writings comes from the Quran and its treasures. Now Ibn Arabi opens his most extensive meditation on the theme of shukr in chapter 121, appropriately entitled, on the station of gratitude. And he opens the chapter itself by declaring that human gratefulness involves thanking God, or praising God rather, for benefactions. Implicit within the claim is the idea of a mutual relation of praise which characterizes the divine human dialectic. Just as God God's shukr or gratitude involves praising the human being for what the human being offers God by way of pious devotion. Human gratitude involves praising God for God's gifts. This circular heliotropic relationship between God and the human being is highlighted by Qushari in his treatment on gratitude in his Risala, a work that we know Ibn Arabi read as a youth. Qushari draws attention to this feature, this circular heliotropic relationship between God and the human being, when he writes, and I quote, the gratitude of the servant towards God Most High is to praise him by recalling his goodness towards him. And the gratitude of the real, may he be praised towards the servant, is his praise of him by recalling his goodness, his acts of goodness towards him. Ibn Arabi then turns to chapter 14, verse 7, to comment on another famous passage of the Qur'an, لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ If you are grateful, verily I shall give you more. The emphasis here is through the intensifying particle known as the Lam al-Tawqeed or the Lam al-Tawqeed, which the Qur'an, through which the Qur'an establishes an inextricable link between human gratitude and the divine response which follows in the form of an increase or ziyadah. This causal chain of events set in motion by human shukr, according to the verse, leads Ibn Arabi to state, and I quote, that gratitude is a quality which necessitates an increase from the one thanked to the one thanking. Now, while the unique power of gratitude, that is its ability to elicit an increase from the one being thanked, is also noted by earlier authors, earlier Sufi authors, Ibn Arabi goes further by declaring that the increase or ziyada which must, increase, which must appear in the wake of gratitude should also, by analogy, govern the human response to divine gratitude. In other words, just as God promises to give more to the human being for the human being's shukr, the human being should give God more for God's shukr. This symmetrical, reciprocal, reciprocal relation applicable to both parties is necessitated by a sharing of names because both God and the human being are shakir. And so Ibn Arabi writes, God, may he be exalted, did not describe himself as grateful to us, 
except that we might give him more of that for which he was grateful to us. This is so that we might give him more. Just as he gives us more of a blessing if we are grateful to him for his blessing and his good favor. What can the human being possibly give to God? The answer, as the passage makes, makes clear, is simply a ziyada or an increase of that which elicited divine shukr to begin with. That is to say, more of virtue, goodness, piety, and self-sacrifice in conformity to the dictates of prophecy. At the heart of this idea, as we have seen, lies the Qur'anic model in which human ethics stands as a pale reflection of the divine nature itself. We learn how to express gratitude to God by observing how it is that He expresses gratitude to us. He gives us more of what we are thankful to, for. Since He gives us more of what we are thankful for, we too should give Him more of that for which He is thankful to us. Now, following Ibn Arabi's brief remarks about the increase which follows in the wake uh, following his brief remarks about the increase which the thankful one is entitled to receive from the one thanked. Ibn Arabi then goes on to explain the difference between the shakir and the shakur, but this time with a particular reference to the human being, or with a particular focus on how these qualities are predicated or ascribed to the human being. The shakir, says Ibn Arabi, is the one who is grateful for divine blessings, or blessings that are considered blessings by urf or convention. So the shakir is grateful for wealth, the shakir is grateful for health, the shakir is grateful for family, the shakir is grateful for friends and company, everything that we conventionally consider to be blessings. The shakur, on the other hand, and the call the Quran says, وَقَلِيلٌ مِّنْ عَبَادِيَ الشَّكُورِ Few of my bondsmen are shakur. The shakur is grateful, as Ibn Arabi says, فِي كُلَّ حال, In every state. And there are so few that Ibn Arabi makes a prayer. May we, be count, may, may we be counted among their few. Now, lest Ibn Arabi's position on this question be understood as a simplistic exhortation to be thankful in every state for everything, without qualification, some clarification is in order. And this is because Ibn Arabi also states that gratitude is not sound except for blessings. In Chapter 178 on love, which Hani spoke about earlier. Ibn Arabi writes, Gratitude is not for any other than blessings. It is not for afflictions, as claimed by one of them who had no knowledge of realities. He imagined that he should be grateful for afflictions. This, however, it is, is not sound. It is clear, therefore, that for our mystic, one need not be thankful for all experiences of distress, hardship, suffering, and trial. But is there not a tension, then, in what Ibn Arabi says, on the one hand, when he says that the, what, ideally one should be grateful in, in every state, and then when he says in his chapter on love that one should only be grateful for blessings and not for afflictions, is there not a tension? Well, the seeming contradiction can be resolved when we realize that for Ibn Arabi, the shakur is not grateful in every state because he is thankful for both afflictions and blessings, but because he sees the blessings in the afflictions. In other words, the gratitude of the shakur is not directed towards suffering, but to the gifts which suffering brings. To illustrate what Ibn Arabi has in mind, he draws the example of medicine. A sick patient who is administered a bitter, pungent remedy by a physician for an illness is grateful, but not for the foul taste of the medicine, which makes it all the more difficult to ingest the drug, but rather for the healing property of the medicine. He endures its unpleasantness in a state of patience, 
while at the same time feeling gratitude for its healing power. And this all occurs in one state. Gratitude, therefore, as Ibn Arabi clarifies, must always be directed towards the blessing, even though it might lie concealed within a trial which could be quite painful, and for which, in regards to its painfulness, the proper response is not gratitude but patience. But it would make little sense. Indeed, it would be counterintuitive and, in fact, reflect perhaps even an unhealthy state of mind to be thankful for suffering qua suffering. To advocate this type of gratitude as an ideal reflects what Ibn Arabi describes as an ignorant ignorance of the realities of the affairs. Ibn Arabi then turns in chapter 121 to discuss the theme of tarka shukr or abandoning gratitude. It is in this chapter that Ibn Arabi explains how it is that the perfection of the virtue necessitates leaving it altogether, at least in the conventional sense. Now, on the surface, the idea seems to mark a significant departure from the orientation that we find in the previous chapter, the chapter on gratitude itself, particularly in light of Ibn Arabi's high estimation of the shakur, characterized as she is by the continuity of her gratitude, fi hal, and her profound awareness of both outward and inward blessings. The logic of the following chapter, however, can only be appreciated when we consider that for Ibn Arabi, the virtues reach their completion when they are relinquished of all traces of the ego or of the self. Gratitude in this light is only perfected when the human subject withdraws all claims to the virtue, thereby allowing God, the only real actor in existence, to enter into a dialectical relationship with himself, a theme that's already been touched on in some of the previous lectures. As Michel Schottkirks accurately points out, far from representing a blameworthy attitude, this abandonment must be interpreted each time as a moving beyond the preceding maqam, a purification aimed at liberating the traveler of what remains of the duality in the station that he is attained. Shatkwiks then adds that it is through this tarq, or this abandonment, that the philosophy of the unity of being, or wahdat al-wujud, which constitutes the keynote, the keystone of this complex architecture, is envisaged in itself or in its doctrinal consequences, end of quote. But it should be noted that even outside of the formal considerations of the ultimate goal of the mystic, realized in its fullness through the abandonment of gratitude and the transcendence of an illusory ontological dichotomy which separates the human subject from the divine object, there is also a purely ethical and juridical basis for the idea that certain kinds of activities which may otherwise be virtuous must sometimes be left or there are certain circumstances in which a virtue must be abandoned in order for one to be virtuous. That is to say, even if we move outside of the framework of the unity of being, there are situations in which the proper course of action would require of one to re- refrain from an other- otherwise virtuous activity, uh, which might in another set of circumstances be blameworthy. In this light, sometimes the virtuous thing to do is to abandon a virtue. And this abandonment is necessary for the embodiment of virtue as a whole. Ibn Arabi explains how this is possible with respect to the virtue of sidq, or truthfulness. Ibn Arabi writes, God has made truthfulness an act of worship, but he did not assign praise to it in every circumstance. Backbiting is an act of truthfulness, but it is a blameworthy form of truthfulness. And tailbearing of offense is an act of truthfulness, and it too is blameworthy. There are many circumstances in which truthfulness is blameworthy, even though truthfulness is absolutely a praiseworthy quality. And there are many other virtues that we could draw attention to that sometimes require us to relinquish the virtue, such as, for example, the virtue of rada or contentment. 
Ibn Arabi points out in his chapter on Rida that God himself does not have Rida with everything because the Quran says, kufr. God is not content or satisfied with the kufr or the ingratitude of his servants. And so just as God is not content or satisfied with everything, the human being should not be content. Or we could look at the virtue of humility, in the, which is the act of being low. It comes from a root tawadu, or the Arabic word tawadu comes from a root which means to be low, or khushur, which comes from a root which means to be low. In the early Sufi text, we find the saying of one of the Sufis, that to be proud, that to be proud before the proud is an act of humility. Or to be proud before the rich is an act of humility. And so in certain circumstances, humility requires a certain element of pride. Many other examples could be given, but at risk of redundancy, it is sufficient to note that the idea of abandoning a virtue is not so radical to begin with and need not be grounded in the presuppositions of a non-dual framework, even though its full logic is only obtained for Ibn Arabi when the absolute is existentially realized as the supreme subject. Now, Ibn Arabi's example of Sidq sets the stage for his discussion which follows of abandoning gratitude or tarka shukr, beginning with its lower levels. So now he goes through the different levels of abandoning gratitude that are acceptable for the salak or the traveler. The example that he gives of an acceptable form of ab- abandonment is the case of one who does not witness the divinity behind the veil of the act of benefaction. In other words, the person receives a gift but is not aware or cognizant or witness the divine benefactor working through the human benefactor. In such a case, Ibn Arabi says that it is permissible to abandon gratitude to God because one is not witnessing the divinity behind the act of benefaction. Abandoning gratitude, writes Ibn Arabi, because of seeing the act of benefaction from the human being alone is a sound abandonment. This is the station of the common folk. It is a sound abandonment for the common folk who are from among the people of God. While imperfect, this form of abandonment is nevertheless acceptable. Ibn Arabi then proceeds to describe the gratitude of the perfect ones, the kummal. And he says that their gratitude is dual-natured or is two-pronged. He says they thank God because of the divine commandment, be grateful to me, and they thank people. Because of the divine commandment, show gratitude to me and show gratitude to your parents. And as the Prophet said in the hadith which I began the talk with, He has not shown gratitude to God who has not shown gratitude to people. So the perfect ones have a dual nature, their gratitude is dual nature. They thank both God and the people. But what does this level of gratitude, despite its completeness, have to do with tarkashukr, abandoning gratitude? What exactly have the perfect ones abandoned if they're showing gratitude both to God and to people? They have abandoned what Ibn Arabi provocatively calls the tawheed of shukr. They have introduced a partner in their gratitude. And the reason for this is because they are instructed by God himself through a divine command to co-partner their gratitude both to God and to human beings. In the words of our mystic, this is the station of abandoning gratitude. That is abandoning the Tawheed of gratitude because they're showing gratitude to more than God alone. They're, they have abandoned the Tawheed of gratitude towards the root gift giver for he has made gratitude to him share through shirk between the benefactor at root and the secondary cause out of the command of, out of, the command of God. 
But Ibn Arabi's use of language here should not be glossed over, since by transforming the shirk of gratitude into the ideal and relegating the tawheed of gratitude to a lower level, he overturns the usual associations of these terms, where tawheed is good and shirk is bad. The provocatory use of language, it seems, is not just for the sake of provocation, but to loosen instead our rigid, formulaic, and reifying ways of thinking about God. A hallmark not just of Ibn Arabi, but of mystics in general, as Michael Sell so ably showed us in Mystical Languages of Unsane. In a strange way, Ibn Arabi's use of language here is also more faithful to those aspects of the Quranic text which emphasize the total otherness of God and the inability of the human mind to enclose the fullness of God within the usual categories employed in rational philosophy and dogmatic theology. But Ibn Arabi's description of the tark shukr or the abandonment of gratitude does not end there either. He goes on to explain how the full perfection of the gratitude of the kummal or the perfect ones is only obtained when God is realized as the supreme shakir. That is, God is shakir and mutlaq. Or God is shakir and mutlaqan. This is the, the highest level of gratitude when the grateful one recognizes or realizes that God is the supreme shakir. The servant's perception of his own gratitude is from this vantage point false and illusory since the real is the only actor in existence. But the matter, as we would expect, does not end there either. Just as God is the only true shakir, he is also the only one to whom gratitude can be shown. In other words, there is no mashkur or object of gratitude other than God. Now, while this is to state the obvious as far as thanking God directly is concerned, it is no doubt perplexing and counterintuitive when we consider human objects of gratitude or the secondary causes through which gifts come our way. For Ibn Arabi, the matter is only beguiling for those who are not in a continuous state of witnessing God, who do not recognize the tapestry of divine self-disclosures that furnish the cosmos with its very fabric of existence. For those who do, however, who live in this reality, the kummal or the perfect ones, the entire dialectical relationship of gratitude is ultimately a relationship that occurs within God, within himself. It forms part of an interplay within divinus. Ibn Arabi explains this relationship in chapter 558 of the Meccan Revelations, entitled The Presence of Gratitude, through the example of charity and gift-giving. He states, and I quote, The divine state is like the state of existence, because he is its very being. There is none other than him. Thus he did not show gratitude to anyone except himself, since, since he did not confer a gift except upon himself. No one received and accepted it except himself. Therefore God is the gift giver, he is the multi, and God is the receiver, the akhir. It is just as the Prophet said, Charity falls into the hands of the all-merciful, because he receives the charity. The hand of the beggar is a form which veils the hand of the all-merciful. And so the charity comes into the hand of the all-merciful before it even arrives into the hand of the beggar. Or if you like, you may say, the hand of the beggar is the very hand of the gift giver. And so the circle of gratitude is completed with its beginning and ending in the real. The relationship of gratitude between God and the human being is in the final order of things, a relationship that occurs within God himself, an interplay in divinis. To think that the human being can express gratitude to God 
is to fail to realize that no one expresses gratitude except God. And to think that the human being can express gratitude to any other than God is to fail to realize that there is no mashkur or object of gratitude other than God. Earlier in this lecture, we saw how it is that human ethics in the Qur'an is a pale reflection of divine ethics. From this presentation, we can now see through the example of gratitude in Ibn Arabi, how Ibn Arabi carries this scriptural model of ethics to its logical conclusion. The paradox of monotheism, the tension between a God that is both known and unknown, a mystery as well as ever-present, is resolved through a non-dualistic ontology which leaves no room for any other than the real. As the Prophet himself said in the famous hadith, verily the truest word uttered by a poet were the words of Labid, is not everything other than God unreal. Thank you very much.